This is the Andy Mazur Podcast. That ball is thrilled. Justin Fields making magic happen. Kershaw got free. Walks into the net. Ball for Caruso. It is gone. Triple, double, and the Caruso. It's gone. Touchdown. Overtime. <laughs> now, here's Andy. And welcome in. Andy Mazur, the podcast with you here, and I am Andy Mazur. Thank you for tuning in or listening, whatever the case may be. We're going to do a little video with this whole thing as well. And, of course, you can uh, find our podcast by by searching the Andy Mazur podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, I believe we're going to be up on YouTube. So more on that coming up, and uh, we'll uh, keep you updated on that. I also have a Facebook page uh, dedicated to the the podcast as well. So you can search me there uh, if you uh, can't find me elsewhere. Anyhow, uh, thanks for tuning in once again. And again, we uh, talk a little bit about uh, what's going on today. Today is February 10th as we tape this. And there's a lot going on. Obviously, there's a Super Bowl coming up in Los Angeles. It's supposed to be the warmest Super Bowl in history. As my microphone starts to elude me, I'm just going to hang on to it here. (laughs) It's supposed to be the warmest Super Bowl in history. It's going to be in the 90s in uh, SoFi Stadium in uh, Los Angeles, California. That's where the homestanding Rams will take on the Cincinnati Bengals, who have not been to the Super Bowl since 1989. That's when they lost to Joe Montana and the 49ers on the last drive of the game. Uh, That was Joe Robbie Stadium back in Miami. Still think that there's a chance that the Bengals can win this game. I like Joe Burrow. I like uh, what he has to to offer. Jamar Chase, guy basically won me a fantasy football league. Uh, Joe Mixon and some good defense and a coach that's kind of willing to go for it. Uh, I wouldn't write the Bengals off uh, by any stretch of the imagination. They've actually won all three of their playoff games on the road. So it's like big deal that they're playing in the Rams home stadium, right? So that uh, is coming up. Super Bowl, Eminem, and a whole bunch of guys playing at the uh, the halftime show, uh, which we'll talk about next week after the game is over. We want to focus on baseball here today because not a lot of people are talking about baseball uh, because of the lockout. And uh, that's the reality of what we are undergoing right now. Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, had a, a press conference today, which was awkward to say the least. I mean, he tried to convince people that owners uh, investing in teams aren't expecting to make a return like they do on the stock market. Uh, I'm not sure what stock market he's investing in or what stock market he's talking about, but really? Prove it to me. I don't find that uh, at all in the realm of possibility. Uh, it's just, come on. I mean, there's the TV deals alone will net you more than your average blue chip stock would be over the same amount of time. Come on. Really? Talked about revenue sharing, about how it's uh, basically asking people to take a pay cut. Wah, wah, wah. I know you're all sick of it, but I'm a baseball guy, and I miss the game. And spring training is supposed to start next week, on February 15th. Don't think it's going to happen. Manfred says, though, that it will happen. And I want to know what plan he's got, because he says, we're all one breakthrough away. We'll hear more about this coming up, but uh, I want to know what that breakthrough is and why that breakthrough wasn't uh, discovered on December 3rd, the day after the lockout. All right. There's, there's plenty to put around both teams or both sides. That is, you know, the players are millionaires and very well paid. I get that. And the owners are more paid and I get that as well, but who got holding the bag? It's us, the fans of baseball. We want to see the game, right? Super Bowl is over. We want to, we want to talk about baseball. And unfortunately, we're talking about the, the business of baseball rather than the game of baseball, and it just sucks. Uh, it's not the way you know I wanted to start this this season, and it's I'm sure it's not the way you wanted to start it either. 
And baseball's got a real big public image problem to begin with. So if there's games lost, look out. I mean, there's a chance that uh, the fans that go away aren't coming back. And I, I can't say that I would blame them. So we're going to welcome in Scott Miller, who is a longtime baseball national columnist for a lot of publications. He worked for CBS Sports for a long time. Now he's a contributor at the New York Times, and he's written some great stuff. Covered the postseason last year. And uh, this year during the offseason, he spent some time with Dusty Baker, the manager of the Astros, who in, San Fran- in uh, uh, Santa Monica, no, it's Sacramento. In Sacramento, he has a winery uh, with his own label. And uh, Scott spent some time with Dusty Baker, one of the greatest guys in all the game. Uh, we'll, uh, you, can, you can Google that and check that out as well because uh, Scott had a good time hanging out with Dusty, and you always do have a good time when you're hanging out with Dusty. And uh, that's an interesting read, so I suggest you go out there and, uh, and check that out. You can check him out on Twitter as well. So Scott Miller will join us. We'll talk all things lockout. Uh, we'll also play our very new, and for the first time, this new game. It's called Wanted Wonders in one second. I'm going to play a clip of a wanted wonder, just one second of it, and our guests will have to identify it. There's no prizes. This is very low budget. Um, I could barely afford this microphone, the light that's shining on me that you can see on my glasses, and all the fancy details over my shoulder here. Uh, so there's no prizes to be given away, but it's just it's for pride. And I know Scott Miller is a, uh, he's a Springsteen guy, so there's no Springsteen going to be involved here at all. So that's, that's, I, can, I can give you a little hint on that right now. But that's one of the things we're going to debut here today. And we're going to get right to Scott in just a moment. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, Major League Baseball lockout and any progress. We'll hear a little bit from Rob Manfred as well. That is all next. We hope you stick around here. It's the Andy Mazur Podcast. Podcast. Now, here's Andy. Well, folks, as we continue here on Andy Major the Podcast, I want to welcome in a longtime friend. His name is Scott Miller, right now contributing to the New York Times. He's a longtime baseball columnist and the, the kind of the go to guy when it comes to uh, talking all things baseball. First of all, it's great to see you. You too, Andy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I miss you out here on the West Coast uh, from the days when you were uh, working, c- calling San Diego Padres games, and uh, we had some fun out West, and one nice thing I would say about baseball is it's not just the games, it's more the relationships, and like I always say, it's almost, a, I'm not a science guy, but it's like pollination, you know, <laughs> you meet the, so many people over the years, and then they all go here and there, you, you're off in Chicago now, I'm still in San Diego, but um yeah, don't see you as frequently or talk with you as frequently as uh, we once did and as I would like, but I'm glad to see you and glad to be with you. Yeah, we know that how this game is in relationships. I think that's the key word right there. I mean, it's not only between us, the folks in the media, but also between us and the players recovering and the management recovering. And, you know, let's hope that we get to cover some baseball this year. Yeah, it, uh, the, the, the lockout is, uh, I think it's one of those things where, like baseball fans are agitated, needless to say, and those of us that love the sport and 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 just feel helpless as we watch our sport continually shoot itself in its foot, 
and do damage to itself with, when it shouldn't have to be that way. Um, I think we, we're all having a tough time watching this lockout, but I, I really think when the Super Bowl ends next week, that's when people are like the casual fan is yeah. going to re- look up and say, wait a minute. Okay. Cause normally normal sports rhythm of life is the, the, you know, Super Bowl ends and then sports fans kind of turn their attention towards March madness and spring training. And the Super Bowl is going to end and people are going to say, okay, when do pitchers and catchers report? Wait a minute. What? Yeah. And that's when the anger and the vitriol is really going to come, I think. And that's when it's going to pick up on sports uh, sports talk as well, because now obviously it's filled with Super Bowl, as you talk about. But, you know, today, as we tape, uh, Rob Manfred had a, a rather awkward press conference uh, today. And I want to play a couple of things for you here because I want you to react to these because I'm still trying to figure out how to read this guy. I mean, he's been in office for a few years now, and I still don't really have a good sense of where he stands in the whole, do I really want to play games? Do I really not want to play games? But this is what he said about uh, about the game itself. I see missing games as a disastrous outcome for the for this industry, and we're committed to making an agreement in an effort to avoid that. Okay, so it's 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 a lot of lip service right now because it doesn't look like. Well, again, I get I guess I'm coming at it from the player's perspective. It doesn't look like there's a whole lot of movement. No, I'm glad you chose that particular clip to play first because, you know, I listened to the entire press conference and my takeaway was basically what you just played. At least the commissioner of baseball is admitting on the record that if they miss games, it's disastrous. He did not mince any words. Now, that's interesting in the context of what have they had since the lockout was called December 2nd? They've only, the players and owners, they've only had three face to face meetings. When the owners called the lockout, when the, the Commissioner Manfred at that point on December 2nd said, We're calling the lockout because we think that's the best way to get to the negotiating table and to, to show the players and just create a sense of urgency. Now, that, I mean, what is that even? Because yeah. as I say, that since December 2nd, they've met three times. So that statement was, I don't even know how to take that that one. I mean, that that that's fiction, falsehood, whatever. It as things turn out now, history is showing. But the word use of the word disastrous, yeah, I, I think he's dead on about that. This is a sport fighting for its place in the in the landscape, not just of sports. But in the entertainment landscape, because as we all know, from the time you and I were kids watching baseball to now, now, you know, back then you didn't have big screen TVs. You you weren't able to stream. You, you weren't able to stream Netflix and movies and everything in the comfort of your own home. And, you know, baseball's had a dwindling market share, both in the entertainment landscape and in the sports landscape. And so I think absolutely disastrous is the right word to use here. But then, well, I should wait and see what clip you're going to play next. Well, I was going to say, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of, I've got like five or six here, but the thing that I wanted to comment about, about that particular clip and what you mentioned too, about they've only met a certain amount of times and and to hear him say the phone rings both ways. 
just yes. said to me, like, wait a minute, what, what is this? I mean, who's the man here and who's the child here? And who's going to say enough's enough already and get, a, get something done? Well, and to that point, it was the owners that called the lockout. True. So once, once I call the lockout, where the phone rings two ways, is it incumbent on you, Andy, to call me? as much as I'm calling you when, if I'm the one that called the lockout, you don't have a lot of options other than to wait. Okay. I locked you out. So what, why did I lock you out? What do I want? And then the negotiating would start from there. Right. It's like the girlfriend that breaks up with you and you know, she sits by the phone because you got to call her to, to, you know, or she's got to call you to make, uh, to make the next move. She told you to, to get lost, right? I mean, she basically said, right. no, you're not coming over here anymore. Who's got a call? I mean, who looks desperate yeah. if they call? You know, I've been in that situation a few times. Me too. Maybe I should get involved <laughs> in the uh, baseball negotiations. Yeah, me too. That me way. too. Yeah, okay, so I want to get to this next one too because he hinted us several times as to the fact that they've, they've kind of uh, acquiesced to a couple of things, uh, paying players, uh, younger players more, the universal DH, which I have some thoughts about, we'll get to in a second here. But this was interesting to me as well. You're always one breakthrough away from making an agreement. You never, I mean, that's the art of this process. Somebody makes a move, and that's why we'll make additional moves on Saturday that creates flexibility on the other side and what seemed like a big gap on this topic or that topic isn't such a big gap anymore. So it's just, it's hard for me to answer that better than that. Yeah, I wish he wouldn't have answered that, to be honest with you, if he's going to give you that kind of, a, of an answer because, okay, does this mean, okay, listen, we're waiting to, to the zero hour because we know what we were talking about earlier, that football is almost over and it's not quite time for March Madness yet. And we need to get a product on the field. I mean, it almost seems like, okay, they're, they're, they were kind of saying, well, let's see, let's put the little line in the water and see if the players bite at this. If they do, hey, great, we win. Uh, but if they, if they don't, you know, then we're just a breakthrough away. I, I don't understand that either. I, I, you know, I think that part of it, to me, is a to-be-continued kind of statement. And you can be optimistic or pessimistic about it. And those of us that have been around long enough and have watched these labor negotiations can't help but being pessimistic. Um, What I would hope, and this would be the optimistic view, excuse me, what I would hope would be this. They've reached what they know is the end point the owners have to where we're going to have to delay spring training, which Manfred also would not admit today. Now, maybe this is the optimist viewpoint. And so you have to swallow hard when saying it. Maybe the fact that he wouldn't say we're opening spring training late tied in with it only takes one thing to have a breakthrough negotiations. Maybe the owners have reached a point where they're like, okay, we need to get really serious and what we are going to offer Saturday is something that could have a breakthrough with the players, get uh, both sides talking again. And then, you know, that would be steps one and two toward a deal over the next several days. Now, 
the cynic, of course, is why <laughs> looking at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. But it's like, why would they have waited that long? And secondly, it's hard to believe there's going to be something positive done after the most recent talks broke off when the owners were going to give the players a counter proposal. And instead of doing that, they said, you know what, we're going to offer federal mediation, which they knew the players weren't going to accept it. That looked like more of a PR ploy to try to swing the public against the players than a substantial negotiation. So he also went on to say today, Rob Manfred, uh, and we're talking with Scott Miller, longtime baseball columnist, contributor now to the New York Times, uh, and a longtime friend. Uh, you know, he talked about today too that the you know revenue sharing is a non-starter, and it's going to make things less competitive in the very end of the end, at the end of the day. The other thing, and I want to read these quotes because I don't have the audio from this, but uh, he was asked several times about Major League Baseball being a good investment. And uh, he said it's, quote, historically below what you'd get on the stock market with a lot more risk. And uh, there was another one where he said, if you purchase, if you look at the purchase price of franchises, the cash that's put in during the period of ownership, and then what they've sold for, historically the return on those investments is below what you'd expect. Baloney. That, that, that's a, who, who, what, what numbers is he looking at? Yeah. As I said, the first clip you played, where he said it would be disastrous to lose games. I thought that was the biggest takeaway. What you just read is the biggest fill in the blank. Yeah. Head scratcher, yeah. biggest lie, biggest mistruth, biggest whatever you want to say. I mean, look, and again, I covered the game throughout the 94-95 strike, which was really, really damaging to the game. And Bud Selig used to say the same thing back then, basically that the owners take a beating and they don't make the money you think they make. And he put, you know, a couple things here. One, if that's true, then how come every single time a team is up for sale, there's a line of people to buy them, buy the team. Um, if it was such a money loser, th that wouldn't happen. Why? Because we also have to remember these owners are some of the smartest and most successful business people in this country. So if this was a worse investment than the stock market, and if it was such a bad investment, then why are these people lined up to buy a baseball team? Um, it all depends. And I look, I'm I take my own personal finances without sharing too much information. <laughs> I've got a financial advisor that my wife and I have worked with for 20 some years because it's hard yeah. and I finances are hard and I'm not a math guy, but I'm enough of a math guy to know that if the Kansas city Royals are sold for $1 billion and you look at the last several sales. And I mean, every time a team is sold, it's like a 20% or higher profit margin than what the selling owner bought it for. And I will say this, my financial advisor has really helped us over the years, but I have not gotten anywhere near that on my stock exchange. No. And, and, and 
I'm not ready to switch financial advisors because I don't think it's my guy. No. I think it's nobody's getting 20% unless your financial guy is a crook and in which case he's going to be found exposed and going to jail soon. Yes, yeah, the SEC and not the Southeastern Conference is what we're talking about <laughs> at that point, right? I mean, seriously, you and I know, and we won't mention names, but you and I know owners who have completely profited off of what a sale of a baseball team was because you forget that it's not only the actual team, but now you have TV deals and all this revenue sharing. I mean, just, just with the TV deal alone, we saw some people load their pockets. Well, we did. And also the team itself is always part of a portfolio for the owner. So he's got, it's not just, Hey, I own the St. Louis Cardinals, but right. I own the TV network. I could say I make money through advertising or whatever. Also, let's not forget the way some of these ballparks are going. Not, not only are, do almost every ball club have a, a, a new ball, a new stadium, relatively new within the last 15 or 20 years. I mean, unless you're the Chicago Cubs or Boston Red Sox or Los Angeles Dodgers, most every other stadium is like 1990 or newer. Right. Um, so that also helps, you know, that was the whole stadium boom, right? Of the nineties. It right. was to increase the value of franchises because Everybody wanted one of these new state-of-the-art, and it all plays together. The other thing about a owner's portfolio is what's the one of the newest things to come about? It's the development of land around the stadium. In St. Louis, you got, I think it's called Ballpark Village. Yeah. Look what the Chicago Cubs are doing. They're building that area out around Wrigley Field. The team and the owner own that. Now you've got bars and restaurants and land around the, the ballpark, and that increases a team's value there are in other words i guess in a nutshell there are various revenue streams in a portfolio number one and number two that the portfolios and the other businesses the owners own allow them to move money around and we all know that that's part of the whole tax shelter game as well yeah i'm going to call uh bunk for uh, lack of a better word uh, on that, that comment from, uh, from Manfred there. I yeah, want to get that. Was it. I thought that was his lowest. Moment yeah. That, that, I, the- I didn't get that at all. I just didn't understand where he was going with that. The other thing we talked about was uh, the DH and that there were some breakthroughs. I hope I'm going to play the right cut here, but this is more of Ron Banford from today. You're always, Oh, that's the wrong one. Let's play. <laughs> let's uh, let's try. Uh, I don't know if I got that one. Let's try this Where one. the clubs have been and remain unwilling to move is in response to player proposals that we believe will undermine the competitive balance in our game. For example, the player's insistence that we reduce revenue sharing will without question lead to less competition, not more. Changing the current agreement by taking resources from clubs with relatively limited revenue will make the game less competitive and when you think about it it's like asking people to take a pay cut oh don't ask a billionaire to take a pay cut for goodness sakes come on and don't ask the millionaires i mean who do you feel sorry for in that case i mean it's hard for the normal human being like you and i uh, and joe fan out there to say oh no you're gonna have to take a pay cut oh so sorry yeah well and the other thing is i mean i, I understand on a rational level 
what he's saying. If you take money, revenue sharing money away from the, the, the smaller market, like the Pittsburgh Pirates and right. the Miami Marlins, those guys, I understand that rationally. If you take revenue sharing money away from them, um, they're not going to be able to compete with it, like the Yankees and the Dodgers of the world. But Tampa Bay. Thing, Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, Tampa. Yeah, you're right. That, that's that's I mean. the antithesis. That's yeah. the argument. That's right? I mean. Tampa yeah. Bay's able to figure it out. Right. You're absolutely right. And they have the worst stadium in baseball. Yeah, no question. But the other thing is if they want to, what they need to change about revenue sharing is they need, if, if, if the owners, instead of doing away, you know, they say they need it and they want it. Okay, fine. But the players gripe, which I think is legitimate. They're concerned about competitive integrity. The players say revenue sharing should do what it's designed to do. If the Pittsburgh pirates are getting, just pick a number, $20 million in revenue sharing. The point of that is to put that 20 million into their player payroll. Right, on the field. It's not to say, you know what, we're going through a three year rebuild and we're going to take the 20 million and we're going to put it into like draft picks in our farm system. I mean, that's on baseball and the owners to figure out a way to ensure that the spirit of revenue sharing rule is followed. And it hasn't been. It's no, clear. it hasn't been. You're right. Scott Miller, a longtime baseball columnist, now a contributor for the New York Times, joining me here. There's so much to get into here, and I don't have a lot of time, and I know you don't have – you have to get get moving as well here. But, uh, you know, the, the DH situation now, that the fact that uh, it's going to be a universal and – the other thing that he, uh, Rob Manfred intimated today was that there's a willingness to talk about a lottery system for the draft rather than kind of what's been successful for several big league clubs over the last few years. I can think of the Astros and the Royals and the Cubs in particular. You know, when you know you're tanking and you try to get great draft choices and then you win the World Series, uh, they're, they're trying to combat that as well. And I, you know, I guess I can see their point in that. Yeah, I'd like to see a lottery system type thing happen because I, I do think, I mean, I'm with the players square, I, both sides, as usual, right? Yeah. Nothing's ever black and white. The owners have some points. The players have some points. I'm not coming down on either side. But on one area I do come down on the player side is this whole beef with competitive integrity because, I, I, I yeah, the whole t idea of tanking, Unfortunately, it worked for the Astros, then it worked for the Cubs, and now, you know, you get to a situation where, I mean, the Baltimore Orioles have been unwatchable now for years. I mean, I'd rather watch, like, the Lansing Lugnuts or the Toledo Mudhens on most nights than the <laughs> Orioles. You shouldn't have that. I mean, that's that, that's, that damages the integrity of the sport uh, when the Orioles and other teams do that. So I do think competitive integrity needs to be addressed. Um, yeah, I'd like to see, you know, I've seen some various ideas floated. One is the lottery system. Uh, two is, you know, you, you could have a thing where a team loses up to 90 games, but you pick a number, say at loss 91, you start docking them points and not, you know, not counting those losses toward the draft pick. Any, in other words, things to discourage the blatant attempt to lose, to rebuild your team. Um, and, to that end, the expanded playoffs, I'm mixed on that. I, I mostly don't like the idea because I really think if you get to a situation, I mean, it's a 162-game season. If you're going to expand the playoffs, at some point, I think you're going to have to cut the regular season back because what's the point 
of a fan paying attention closely to 162 games if half the league's going to be in the playoffs anyway. Um, but that said, the flip side, if you expand the playoffs, I think if maybe that would be a, a take a step toward discouraging tanking and things like that, because now if you're the Baltimore Orioles and you want to just do what they've done, your fans are going to say, wait a minute, you know, 16 teams make the playoffs, you know, come on, you know, I think it would be an incentive for more teams to try to win. So I'm a little mixed on that. I'm going to miss the double switch. I think that uh, the double switch belongs in the hall of fame. I grew up national league, uh, Going out there to watch uh, watch a manager actually manage a game. I mean, call me uh, an old fashioned guy, but I know. you know, with the DH gone, I mean, or the DH in now. I mean, that that's okay. I can palate it a little bit. I, I kind of got used to it during the during the uh, 2020 season. But yeah. in the moments we have left here, I, I want to I want your thought on how is this going to turn out? Will there be games lost this year? I still say no because he, I think they'll figure something out. Even if, say, that we lose the first week or two of the season, I think you can make those games up over the next five months. I it's hard. It's still hard for me to see losing more than that, simply because I I don't want to diminish. There there's very much animosity and distrust between the two sides. That's real. Uh, you know, I talk to owners. I talk to player reps. It, it, it's not good, but. I always go back. Everything always revolves around money, right? And I go to 2020, the year of COVID, when we just had the 60-game season. Both the players and the owners both lost millions and millions of dollars that summer. We're just two years past that. I mean, if they're willing to take the game off the cliff and lose millions and millions more dollars after losing millions and millions in 2020, then they're even more thick-headed than we think they are. Yeah, and then you have a, a, a situation where you become irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, absolutely, it's the right. truth. Uh, it, it, and it, you know, it, it can happen. I mean, I've seen it happen here in Chicago with a hockey team that nobody cared about, and uh, next thing you know, they're they're winning championships. But I'm saying, with the the you know the mindset and the attention span of of today's viewer, uh, it's a whole lot different than it was when you and I were growing up, and you could become irrelevant very quickly. Well. I mean, baseball used to be the national pastime, undisputed. Then the NFL went around, and the NFL rules everything. But then baseball still was kind of number two. And in the last 15 years or so, really probably, I don't know, about the time of the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls and and when that following Magic Johnson and Larry Bird combined with the 94-95 baseball strike, next thing you know, then – the NBA went around baseball, and now I, I, there's no question culturally the NBA is more relevant now than baseball. And you can go back to time, you know, 1980, 81, that famous Los Angeles Lakers, Philadelphia 76ers, NBA Finals, Magic Johnson's rookie year. The finals, NBA Finals were tape delayed yeah. back then. They were, they, the NBA was so low, they weren't even on live TV. They ran those at 1130 at night. Now the NBA is blowing past baseball. So to your point, if the owners and players don't get this figured out and people already are sick of the bickering from 2020 fans, it, it, so, so there's a head start baseball has on negativity with fans just from 2020. If they don't get it figured out, 
I mean, it won't just be the NFL and NBA that's zoomed around baseball over the past few decades, but there's going to be other sports that do the same. And what a shame that would be. I mean, you think oh. about the history of this game and what it means not only to, to you and to, and to me, but to the generations that taught us the game. And, uh, you know, my grandfather taking me to Wrigley Field with my brother on what they used to call senior citizens days. He would take us out of school in September. Uh, those are the kind of things that you remember uh, much more to me than going to an NBA game or an NFL game, which is you know, maybe two or three times a week, or in the NFL's case, one time a week. This is an event that uh, you know you can continually continue to go to, and those memories just come flooding back. Oh, constantly. I mean, it's a game that connects generations. You're right. Uh, you know, my father taking my brother and me and mom and sister to Tiger Stadium. In my case, growing up in southern southeastern Michigan. Um, I mean, Tiger Stadium was a cathedral, and uh, I miss it to this day. But there were times my grandfather, my dad's dad, went with us, and and just you're right, the memories come flooding back. And the thing, I mean, I remember having just revealed my Michigan roots. <laughs> go back to Sparky Anderson as manager of the Tigers. I remember he used to say, you know, he always said all the time about whoever the superstar was. You know, if he'd get into it, somebody, but like, look. This game is bigger than any one guy. This game was around long after this guy was here. It's going to be around long after I'm here. And that's the truth about baseball. It, 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 it thrived after Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth passed on. It thrived after Mickey Mantle passed on. It, it's, you know, somehow survived the steroid atmosphere. And it's thrived after Barry Bonds and that crew and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in 98. Um, but the, the, with each work stoppage, and we saw, speaking of 98, how long it took the game to come back after that 94-95 strike, and baseball keeps losing altitude with each one of these. Um, it is bigger than any one man. It's bigger than any one superstar. And that's what the owners and the leaders of the Players Union need to figure out right now as they're trying to negotiate this settlement is that they're just caretakers of the game that belongs to the people. And when their time is done and Don Fear's time was done after a while and, you know, it goes on and on. And pretty soon, you know, there'll be somebody else running the players union besides Tony Clark. There'll be another commissioner after Rob Manford. These guys are just placeholders to caretakers of the game and, Sometimes that gets lost, I think, in, in when the egos get involved in these negotiations. All right, before I let you go, I've got a little game I want to play with you here. I hope your game, because I know you're a music guy. I am. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, and uh, this is this is going to explain it for you. Here we go. It's time for One Hit Wonders in One Second. So far, that was Ring My Bell by Anita Ward. Yeah, and you've got... And uh, Midnight Runners with, with Come On Eileen. Come On Eileen, yeah. But that, yeah. that's not what I'm asking here now. I'm, okay. I'm going to play a one-second clip of a wanted wonder, and I want to see if you can get it. Now, listen, I'm going to give you three, three choices here of either yeah. the 70s, the 80s, or the 90s. Wow. Um, and I'll play it a couple times. in that order. 70s would be my first choice. Okay, let's go 80s. 70s then. Let's go 70s. Okay. You only have to get one right. And, of course, there's 
absolutely no prize for it, but here we go. I can play it again. Yeah, one more time. I think I got it. Ram a lamb and Black Betty. Black Betty. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, full song now. Here we go. At least a little bit of it. I'm, I'm blanking. I should know the band. I'm blanking on the band. I'm disappointed. It's, that it's I a rhyme. It. It's a rhyme. And by Ram Jam. Yeah, Ram there you go. Black Betty by Ram Jam. Right. Is there another one? Oh, we can play another one. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right, hang on. Let me get rid of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I let me give you. Let me give you the '80s. I don't have the '80s song queued up here yet, but uh, I'll, okay. I'll give you. I'll give you the one second of it. Here we go. All right. Give it to you one more time. I'm gonna get that one. Try give one it to time. you one more time. That's not coming quite as quick. Okay, that would be uh, big country oh, in a big yeah. country. They were really, yeah. they were really dynamic with uh, with the way they named the song, and then they also named the. Uh, the group, uh, the same thing. So yeah, here, here's this a little bit. Uh-huh, that's how that one goes. All right, so you're doing okay. All right, let's give you the '90s one just for the heck of it. You're All you're right. here. You're with us. Here we go. Oh, I know the song, but uh, no. let me give you one more time. Yeah. I, I can sing the song, although if I did, you wouldn't be able to idea because I can't <laughs> sing in tune. I know the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're on it. You're on it. Uh, the, yeah. the lead singer's name was Shannon Hoon. He okay. was from uh, Indiana, I believe. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and the song is called No Rain. No Rain. My okay. Blind yeah. Melon. And that Blind Melon. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. this one right here. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yep. 60s and 70s, I, I can be hell on wheels, as you just saw with Black Betty and yeah. Ram Jam. 80s, I'm okay. 90s, I, I'm not, I'm okay. But uh, my sweet spot is 60s, 80s, 70s, and into the 80s. Well, you were the uh, the first you know, first player of One Hit Wonders in one second. So I, I think you did all right. I mean, you're, you're an all-star. You were one for three. <laughs> <laughs> you said I was the first player to play it. Yeah, you're the, the first one to play. Oh, no, you're the first one to play. This is the this is the brand new edition of of this like podcast it. and that game. That's part of it. Part of it there. And I knew that if I gave you a Springsteen song, it would be a layup. Yeah, that'd be too easy. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Springsteen yeah, would be would be yeah that that wouldn't be fair because yeah. I I go in all different directions <laughs> with music as you know. Uh, yeah, Bruce is my Sunday morning uh, church service. Yeah, well, I, 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 yeah, he's a lot of people's Sunday morning church service. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, it's just it's inspirational stuff, and it, it stands the test of time. And I knew that if I went there, I you know it wouldn't be fair to anybody. Yeah, yeah, no, I like it. I love the Black Betty. Yeah, yeah I'm Ram proud Jam. Proud to have nailed that. Too. Little Ram Jam. Yeah, Ram Jam. Yeah, exactly. Scott, Good thanks stuff. so much, man. I appreciate you taking some time, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. It's been way too long. Sounds good, Andy. Take care, my friend. This 
Caesar Podcast. Now, here's Andy. Welcome back here on Andy Mazur, the podcast. Andy Mazur here with you. And uh, alongside that one wonder game, we also have another feature that I'm going to debut right now. And with the help of my big voice man, Ernie, here we go. And by the way, this is all going to come off the top of my head. You got something to get off your chest? You know, something that's been eating at you. It's time to rant. Andy and 60. I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely sick and tired of watching billionaires and millionaires fight it out for the biggest piece of the pie when we're left in the dust. Major League Baseball, again, in a lockout, another work stoppage could be on hand. And Rob Manfred today just blew me away with some of the stupid things he had to say about, first of all, how the owners are not making as much money on a return as the stock market. Are you bleeping kidding me? Really? Uh, asked about how come they haven't really come to an agreement or hadn't talked more than they have already, saying the phone rings both ways. Please. But one thing I really want to rant about is the universal DH. I'm a baseball purist, and I'm a huge fan of the double switch. I think the double switch should have a plaque in the Hall of Fame all to itself, maybe a whole wing in the Hall of Fame all to itself. Managers actually had to manage in the National League, and now... You're not going to have to do that. You give up seven runs in the first inning, the guy can pitch a complete game, for goodness sakes, right? I mean, seriously. I know my time is up, but I still got more to say. Anyhow, I, I just think that there's the, the strategy of the game goes away, and I love the difference between the two leagues as well. And I love the fact that in general league play, National League teams would go to American League parks and get a DH. American League teams would come into the National League park, and they would get a, and they would have the pitchers hit. If they wanted to make it interesting, they could have flipped the script, too. Go to the American League park and let the pitcher hit so the American League fans get a chance to see what what brilliant strategy there is involved. Yeah, I know you're probably saying to yourself, what is this guy talking about? Well, I'm a purist, and yeah, I will adapt, okay? I'm adaptable. If nothing else, I can adapt. Uh, I got a little bit used to it during the 2020 baseball season during the COVID situation, but that was more out of necessity and more out of uh, abundance of caution, the buzzword of the year. I don't like it. I'm going to have to deal with it. I know that. But I still think the double switch will be missed by many, including myself. And that's handy in nearly 60, probably a little more. Anyway, that'll do it for this show. We appreciate you uh, watching us or listening to us, whatever the case may be. Don't forget to subscribe. And uh, check out the Facebook page, too, Andy Mays of the Podcast. You can uh, search that on your local Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at Andy underscore Mazur, and that's M-A-S-U-R-1. I'll put that on the bottom of the screen here so you can see that as well. And uh, we'll have an email address. You can email me questions as well. I'll put that on the screen uh, once we have that all set up as well. And uh, hopefully we'll get on more of a routine. I know it's been a little bit uh, sketchy here the last couple of years. Uh, we've had a few episodes going uh going strong for a few weeks and then uh, kind of left it all uh, out there. But we'll we'll do our best to get this thing going again here to bring you some interesting guests. Not only from the world of sports, I want to talk to some celebrities as well, uh, some Twitter influencers as well. If you have suggestions, you can also tweet me again, and uh, I'd be more than happy to, uh, to investigate. So until next time, I appreciate you checking us out here either by the audio way or by the video way or even by both. I'll leave you with this. Play nice, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. 